Thank you for listening to Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Buffalo What's Next will be taking a short break and will return with new content shortly. Here are two highlight segments from our show that aired on January 12th and 26th of this year. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White. And with me today to talk about the city's city of Buffalo's blizzard response and her involvement in helping residents is retired Buffalo police officer, Cariel Horn. Cariel, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me back. Was this holiday blizzard a Hurricane Katrina moment for the city? Why or why not? Um, it, it certainly was. Um, just like uh, someone said, it was a snurricane. <laughs> a snurricane. Yes, yes. Um, 35 deaths in the city of Buffalo, uh, over 46 in Erie County. Um, and, and Carol, you 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 were arrested yeah. during during uh, rescue efforts. Uh, can you tell us what happened? Um, yeah, I actually was out um, during the um, well, this is after the blizzard. Um the first day that the the snow the blizzard stopped, um, my ninety seven year old father was without heat and electricity, and I was not able to get to him until Christmas Day, uh, when the the blowing snow and everything stopped. So um, that morning, I wound up getting over to him um, with the help of Miles Carter and David Lewis, and. Um, of course, effort with neighbors, you know, helping or whatever. But right. either way it goes, I um, was out all day um, helping people, giving rides, um, shoveling, snow blowing. And that night, um, I was actually on my way to my son's house to get a, a plate um, to eat. Mm-hmm. And I was going in the house for a few hours and um, then coming back out to see if, you know, anybody was out that needed help or whatever. Either way it goes. I was riding down Bailey Street, and um, I noticed that the police had a car pulled over. Um, it had a trunk full of stuff, so my assumption was that the person was out um, looting. Right. So I saw the people on the ground, and I guess I was triggered because, you know, um, a body had been in the snow and ice um, for two days, and the police did not respond. Mm-hmm. So I actually was going to um, just get out and record and basically being an advocate and activist, you know, I was basically going to speak on it. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't find my phone. So um, at that time, I didn't know that the person I had just dropped off had stole my phone, but I um, couldn't find the phone and I um, just decided I would get out and just observe. Mm-hmm. And... The cop, he came and asked, can he help me? And I said, yeah, I understand that these people were probably stealing, but you need to get them off the ground. 
and he just pointed in my face and said, you're going to be on the ground if you don't stop impeding my investigation. I basically said, you know, I didn't impede his investigation and that, you know, he needed to get the people off the ground. And then he pushed me and then I pushed him back um, and then he body slammed me and told me I was under arrest for putting my hands on him. And I said, I did, but after you put your hands on me. Do you think the officer recognized you and that maybe flipped the switch in the officer? Because, you know, let's let's be real. You're you're probably persona non grata within the uh, Buffalo Police Department. Well, he was nice at first and he quickly turned cold, just like that ice and snow. He was just that cold. So I'm not sure if he did. Um, but, you know, in the paper in the um, arrest paperwork. Um, I didn't give him my ID, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they they um they well they put my name wrong as, as Carol instead of Cario, but at the same time it you know they still gave me an appearance ticket without ID. And what uh what what were you charged with? Obstruction, disorderly, and harassment. The same things he should be charged with. If if I should be charged with it, he should be charged with it as well as Cario's law should be charged. Exactly, with that. and that's and that's what you are known for, and you're known for saving the life of of Neil Mac Jr. and and through all the trials and tribulations that you've been through, do you still feel that you are a target of the Buffalo Police Department? Oh, I know I've been a target. I know that my family has been a target. Um, it's just, I mean, like, who do you go to? <laughs> you have a problem with the police, right? Yeah, yeah. This is Buffalo What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here talking blizzard response with retired Buffalo police officer Carrie O'Horn. You did an interview with Democracy Now! Uh, yourself and uh, India Walton uh, about the blizzard, and you talked about senior housing units, and that's where your father was? Yeah, he was not at LBJ, but he was at a different one. But that just shows the issues that we have with the um, senior housing that have no backup generators. Yeah, can you can you get a little bit more into that? I mean, uh, apparently from what from what I read in Democracy Now, the buildings are ill prepared to handle the storm. Um, what what went wrong there? What did you see? Um, no backup generators. Number one, um, you have seniors that. In the LBJ, the, there was um, um, pipes that burst. There was water running down the uh, um, elevator. Um, so, like, you had to take the stairs. And uh, I don't know if it's only That's tough ten, on seniors. Yeah, I don't know if it's only 10 flights of stairs, but I do know that, you know, there is a 10th floor, so I'm not sure if there's anything above that. But when I went to um, the 6th floor, I was tired. Yeah. You know, yeah, so... yeah. So just to and and then I was walking with a guy and we had to stop like the third floor so he can get his breath. But he was there with his mom um, and he was telling me about because I said, you know, what's that smell? He said he worked in a hospital and that it was the smell of death. Oh, did you go there with uh, Miles Carter? He's a he's a he's a housing inspector as well. Yes. What, Yes. what, What was his thoughts on on the problems within the building? the the conditions were deplorable um they they were basically literally left to die 
do you have, and this is a this is a, a BMHA yes. housing. Yes. Um, have they said anything on the matter? Have they reached out to you? No, they haven't reached out to me because I haven't reached out to them. Miles was was um, dealing with them, so um, of course he would have to speak on that. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll have him on again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as far as um, I know that the, the fire department did go there, and that BMHA was involved after the, after the fact. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what improvements they have made right now. What what improvements would you like to see? Well, first of all, we need backup generators, number one. Right. And then um, I understand that it was a storm, so I don't expect everybody to be miracle workers. But I expect that um, a building full of our seniors, especially BMHA, um, and not only BMHA, any of the senior buildings, they should be equipped to handle a situation like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, what's a what's a city if they can't take care of their most vulnerable? Exactly. Right? From your point of view as a as a retired police officer, why was the city, uh, why was why was Mayor Byron Brown so gung ho on catching looters? What's the methodology behind warning looters of repercussions while emergency services are slowed down to a halt? Um, I think that it was basically to take our focus off of what the the city, um, county, and state government did not do, um, which was to protect its citizens. Um, you know, it's it's. I understand how dangerous it was out there because mm-hmm. I tried to to get to my father and I couldn't um, without help. So I do understand. That, but I also understand that um, the effort that I did put into getting to my father um, without any help. So just to think of you have a team of people who supposedly is equipped because he did say that they that we were ready for the storm, even though um, the November storm, I saw um, plow trucks plowing. Who were plowing plow trucks? Mm-hmm. Other than another plow truck, right? So, how did those plow trucks get plowed in when we needed them? And if they were broken down, they should have been somewhere where they were being fixed. Yeah, it's it, if if anything, it seems like the the November storm was kind of a test run, exactly for this holiday holiday storm, and it just seems like nothing was learned in between. I could be wrong because I'm not obviously well, on the ground. All, it, it shouldn't have taken that storm for us to learn anything because we get snow all of, every year. Every year around this time we get snow. So it should not have been a test run in November. We had many test runs. We should have been equipped. And as and I wanted to circle back real quick just the 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 warning of looters and this 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 police presence on the streets is that do you think that was necessary do you think it was warranted i mean yes people people are going to in situations like this they're going to you know try to do things try to get out for themselves and try to make you know steal tvs and stuff like that but there's people out there who are trying to get essentials 
So do you think that it was necessary to have like this police presence trying to catch every single looter and coming down hard on them and warning them via press conferences? Well, first of all, no, everybody's not watching a press conference. Maybe the people who stole the TVs could not watch press conferences. <laughs> but the um, to have a looter task force as opposed to having a task force to go and and do go down that call log, the nine one one call log. Um, it, it was crazy to me. It's like you have people who are literally dying in their homes on the street. But you decide that the looters is is the most important um, subject for you to deal with. I don't think that that was right. Um, I don't think looting was... It wasn't right, but in certain situations it wasn't wrong. When you're Yes, when you're trying to get essentials. I think we can all agree yeah, that... Yeah, like the that... grocery store um, decided... They, well, at, at one point, all these decided that they were not going to open. Mm-hmm. But it's like uh, then people would say, well, look, look what you did to your own neighborhood. But isn't a grocery store essential? So mm-hmm. why would you not open this? This food would have started going bad anyway after right. so much time. So not that someone should have gone in there and took the food and trash the place. Yeah. I don't agree with trashing the place at right. all. Right. Um, but if people needed food, I can't tell. I wouldn't have said, no, don't go take the food. You know, mm-hmm. I would have like, like in the situation with Jay who broke into the school, um, you know, he left a note. So, and he didn't trash the place and the people that were in there didn't trash the place. So they were looked at as good looters. Where, you know, you may have had someone, if the family dollar, everyone that went into there did not trash the place. Took what they needed and and got out. Right. But they're all looked at as bad looters. And it's like, what's the difference? Like, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. with the people who just went and took what they needed, as opposed to Jay. You know, who's getting Super Bowl tickets, you know. Yeah. And, And is it because Jay is... Caucasian and the the looters that they focused on are black. Well, actually, they were not all black, but they focused on the black people without saying that. Right. And there was looting all over. Like even I heard that snowmobiles were taken, but we didn't. Did you hear about that? No. Nope. <laughs> um. We talked a lot about, or there was a lot of talk about a lack of warming centers. That's a that's a big problem. Um, what's what's your take on warming centers? Um, do we need one in every neighborhood? Of course we do. Um, there's a school in every neighborhood. There's a church in every neighborhood. Um, so there's a community center um, in just about every neighborhood. So the point is, there's places that people could places that could have been set up. I used to volunteer for the Red Cross when I was in the South. It was much easier in the South to to volunteer. Here, it's been like pulling teeth to volunteer. I called and got hung up on when I know how to set up the, the, the shelters. So only thing I would have needed was space and the, the necessary things that the Red Cross provides. And then I could have set up shelters. But... 
they hung up on me when I called. Nine one one. I um called because I said I have a plow truck. I have a um snowblower. I have the saw, I had the shovels, I had everything that I needed. I just needed to get out because the drifts blew over and plow uh, I mean and snowed in the plow truck. Um, where across the street there was like nothing. Yeah. So I could have parked across the street and just drove off. Same thing in my neighborhood. I could see <laughs> I could see grass across the street while while I had five feet of snow. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um what else what else needs to change before the next big storm? I mean, we're still we still have a long winter ahead of us. It's not even February yet. Um what else needs to change before the next big storm? Well, we need equipment that, that works, um, just like you have police districts. The um, plow trucks could have been in each district. Um, just a few in each district? Yep, and and basically going up and down the main streets. Um, I don't expect anyone to, like, um, go out to die, but, you know, it's like there if there were, like, warming centers or whatever, even if they plowed a little bit and stopped at the warming center or whatever. I don't know. But I'm just thinking that it didn't have to get as bad as it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a minute before we, we take a short break. Um, do And we can finish this uh, at the other end of the break, but do we need, as Denise Barr mentioned a few weeks ago, do we need neighborhood hubs where people can go ahead of a storm? Um ahead of a weather event to get to so they can hunker down with a roof over their heads with the centrals uh what do you think of that idea of course there's evacuation centers when um there's a hurricane so we need one during a hurricane right absolutely you're listening to buffalo what's next thomas o'neill white here talking storm response with retired police officer carrie o'horn we're going to take a short break, and we'll be with you on The Rebound. Hey, have you seen WNED PBS's Compact Science or Shakespeare's Greatest Hits? Here's five reasons to check them out. Compact Science is so fun, high energy, and educational that it won three prestigious awards, a communicator award, a telly, and an award from the New York State Broadcasters Association. And Shakespeare's Greatest Hits also received a communicator award and a telly for cinematically portraying some of Shakespeare's best monologues in bite-sized videos. Check them out at WNED.org or on YouTube. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White, back with you. I am talking blizzard response with retired Buffalo Police Officer Carrie O'Horn. Just getting back to that last point, uh, Denise Barr. Denise, wherever you are, hope you're listening. We love you. she mentioned in a anchor Zoom call that we need hubs. We need hubs in every neighborhood uh, where people can go ahead of weather events or during weather events if they're able to 
you know, if they lose power in their home, walk to these places and have a shelter over their head, have a roof over their head and have essentials uh, and just, you know, survive these weather events because it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better right now. Um, what do you think of that idea? Would would you do anything differently? Um, I would set it up like a, a Red Cross Center does when um, there's a disaster um, such as hurricanes. Um, you know, um, it's like a safe spot. Um, there's There will be backup generators. There will be food. There will be heat, electricity. Clothing. Um, clothing. Uh, everything that you need to basically um, survive um, on a short-term short term basis. And then um, there should be programs in place where if, you know, there's something coming. Actually, it, it should be done even like now when there's nothing going on. Yeah, we should be working on that right now. Right, right, right. So we should um, have a list of places you can call, um, a list of services, a list of places you can go. Can you tell me where the evacuation route goes? Me, right now? Right now. No. <laughs> Neither can I. I cannot tell you where it goes. It goes from my bedroom to my couch in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the city yeah, evacuation no, I route. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so how, how would you assess, because you were out there, um, you were out on those streets, how, would, how do you assess the response from residents to the storm in this city of Good Neighbors? Um, the residents, um, on the most part, they were helping each other, um, even the looters. They were not breaking into um, their neighbor's house. They were going to the stores and taking what they felt like they needed or wanted. And they basically, as far as I saw, people were out helping shovel helping snowblow, um, checking on their neighbors. Um, you actually had a great response from the neighbors because you understood that no other help was coming. How does that, when you say that, no other help was coming, when that sets in, how, how does that make you feel? Well... For me, I'm fine with it because I never felt like I had help coming. <laughs> wow. So um, that's why I had um, generators and, and the uh, other equipment that I had. It's just that I wasn't able to um, access it, which is also important because you have to be able to use the equipment that you have. Um, so I think in the future, for me, I would just basically have um, a backup team to basically help me to be able to help other people, which is what I was looking for when I called 911. Right. Like, I just need help getting out of here, then I can go and help not only my father, but the whole building of seniors. I would be remiss not to ask, but how is your father doing? He's fine. He's fine? He's, he'll be 98 next next month. Wow. <laughs> wow. Good yeah, for him. Yeah, he, he told me he almost froze to death, though. And, That's scary. And, and for him to be a World War II vet... Um, you went through World War II, and you lived 97 years, and I don't know how I would have taken it had he did freeze to death. But because of his age and experience, 
he understood how not to die. Uh, the survival skills. Yep. I want to pivot away from the blizzard real quick just because Darius Pridgen uh, announced that he would not be running for his common council seat uh, next election. Um, you live in Pridgen's district, Ellicott. Um, what do you what do you make of Pridgen's announcement? And um, you know, talk a little bit about you know what he's done as a common council uh, member in your district. Um, well, it was bittersweet for me to hear that last night, um, because I think that um, in in any public office that it can wear on you. You could get burnt out, so I think that um in in that way that you know um he's done things um good things, especially helping pass Cario's law mm-hmm. um, that I will always like appreciate um and yeah, I do live in his district now um how long have you lived in the district? Um, since October. Since October. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you, I guess it's, since it's only been October, you haven't seen like the growth through the years, but when you talk to, when you talk to your neighbors, when you talk to other residents in the district, um, how do they feel about the district? Um, they were actually, um, telling me about, you know, how the street is is a good street um, and how it's quiet. And they all seem to be pleased, the, the neighbors that I've talked to. Um, so hopefully we can keep it that way in, a, in a, a district that is pleasing to the neighbors. Exactly. And and who who might step into that role as common council member for the Ellicott District? Mm, we shall see, right? We shall see. I mean, what, what, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, what does that mean? That means that um, we shall see. Like, <laughs> hopefully we can get someone in there who cares about the people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm just going to mark that down. <laughs> Pridgen successor. Who could that be? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, and the and the the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I know I asked you last time, and I couldn't even remember your response, and I know you don't remember your response, so it might be completely different now uh, in the few months uh, that it, that it's been since you last came on Buffalo. What's next? Um, what does Buffalo? What does Buffalo need? Is it has it changed at all? Um, or is there any pressing needs from when you came on in October to now? Um, Buffalo needs um, city government that cares about the citizens. Can you break that down? In how many different ways do you want it chopped up? <laughs> Two or three. Two or three if you can. Two or three if you can. Okay, we definitely need um, our city government who takes our taxes and 
and puts it into uh, or supposedly puts it into services that will help us run efficiently. We need um, those services available. Um, and, you know, um, during this blizzard, we saw what responses we need there. Um, we need... We need some. We need so many different things. <laughs> we need to have um, uh, everything that is available to one culture should be available to all cultures, um, and that's just to just put it broadly. Um, but even like um, recently, we met with the, the people from the Bangladesh. Um, community, mm-hmm. and they have a um, a community center that they want um, all people to be able to use, which is great. What but, neighborhood is this? Is this the Schiller Park neighborhood? The Bangladesh, where where, where mm-hmm. wherever they reside, but in, it's uh, it's off of Genesee, where the um, yes, where the um, uh, Jami Masjid community center is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So they want to make that available to um, everyone which is, like I said, is great. Um, and then during the conversation, you know, the one guy is, is sitting next to me basically says that black people don't work together. And in some cases, he's, he's absolutely correct. But he basically sat there next to me telling me that basically telling we don't you your own, own... Telling you your own business? It, we, no, not my own business. What he, his, what he thought was... Um, he basically was stereotyping, mm-hmm. and he basically was saying like we don't own anything, or and because of whatever reason. And I'm saying, well, that's not everyone. Mm-hmm. And he, then after that, I see uh, an article that basically says that they are going to um, not be fined for housing violations. Now, hopefully, I read it wrong, but I don't think that that is right. You cannot get away with housing violations because you're doing good on the left-hand side. You have to do good on the right-hand side, too. You can't get away with housing violations. I can't get away with housing violations. So how could that be true? I wanted to ask you this question because you work a lot with Miles Carter and David Lewis. Shout out to those guys. Um, is there is there a disconnect between the black establishment in this city and these new black activists like a Miles Carter, like a David Lewis? Yeah. So like the mayor has his own set of activists that he uses when he goes um, on TV. He doesn't use the Cario horns or the Miles Carter or the Davis, David Lewis, Lewis's. Um, so he uses who he, he, who he deems is safe or use an or, um, organization that he deems is safe. That's why I just go by my own name, <laughs> Gary O'Horn, because when you hear from Gary O'Horn, it's coming from Gary O'Horn, not from an organization of who is, um, um, who has the 501c3 name mm-hmm. behind them. Um, so I'm not trying to, like, um, diss anybody, but I'm just trying to keep it real. Like, yes, you, we have to be able to work together. Um, but what's some, that going to take? What it. Yeah, and so that was well, that was the meeting that we were at bridging the gap. Okay. Oh so, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, what it, it's going to take them to stop being so close-minded or 
want to keep everything to themselves. It's like you have to listen. Like we are here on the ground. We know what's going on. Um, So you have to or you should include us. Like you have, um, the mayor has activists who are on the ground. But they don't see everything the way we see it because they are basically being um, coddled. You know, mm-hmm. they they basically have the they're they're in the, the the graces of the mayor. I'm not in the graces of the mayor. Right. I don't um, care to be in the graces of the mayor. I just care to work so that we can all be. It cannot be fair. You know, everything can be. We can live peacefully. We only have so many years to live. So what's the point of trying to downgrade one set of people and uplift other people, it's it's only causing di- um, um, divisiveness. Correct. Correct. Well put. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Thomas O'Neill White, and I'm sitting here having another wonderful, wonderful conversation with retired Buffalo police officer, Cariel Horn. Cariel, um, this has been a really lovely conversation again. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me again. And you are listening to Buffalo What's Next on WBFO News. WNED Classical has been conducting interviews of their own on YouTube with the classical music community. Have you ever wondered what goes into the performances you hear on WNED Classical? Head on over to our Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube page to see the collection of interviews that we've orchestrated. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. WNED PBS can go everywhere you go with the WNED PBS app. Go to the app to watch shows like Klein Hands Gift to Buffalo, Frontline, and Compact Science. Even watch on the go with the WNED PBS live stream and a 24-7 stream of WNED PBS kids. You can also see the full television schedule and what's on right now from the app. Download the WNED PBS app wherever you get your apps. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Here at the Community Missions on uh on Buffalo Avenue in the city of Niagara Falls to talk about the SNUG program in Niagara Falls, a recently started program with us uh, from Community Missions, Eric Fordner, the Vice President of Specialized Service and Services, rather, and Hassan Ford, who is the Program Manager for SNUG. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yes. Let's first get into this idea about what SNUG is. Let's talk about what that specifically is and how it works. Okay, so SNUG is spelled guns backwards. What we, what we want to do is bring hope to our community. Um, like today, SNUG, when it comes to SNUG, we want, to, we want people to understand that we are here uh, for a purpose and, and we are here to bring change. What we do is we, reduce, we work to reduce gun violence in our community by mediating conflict. We work with the highest individuals who are the highest risk of shooting or being shot, shot themselves. Uh, what about... Um in terms of 
the problem itself. Gun violence, we can make it a very general pro uh, problem. We could talk in Buffalo about gun violence. We could go to the Bronx. We could go to other cities around the, uh, the, the state in that regard. But what about here in Niagara Falls? How specific can we get into what the issue is, is really about locally here? Well, like, um, like any disease, uh, we look for a cure. Niagara Falls Snug will be a part of the cure. Um, by mediating conflict, we send credible messengers into our communities, you know, people who have credibility with other people in our communities uh, to, to mediate conflict, to talk with people, to find out how we can make, make it better um, when it comes to uh, uh, the violence that's in our community. Well, Eric, what about from a community missions standpoint? You know, if you guys have a lot on your plate, and this is my first time to your facility here, and I can see, and this is an active place for sure here, now going into this SNUG program and taking that on as well, what's, what's behind that? You know, I've, I've been around for about 15 years with community missions, and, and w when I started, I um, specifically started bringing uh, reentry services to, to the area, and that was geared towards individuals, I like to call them returning citizens, returning to the city of Niagara Falls. Uh, that's another big state initiative, you know, reentry services, having things in place. And over, you know, the, the last decade, it's kind of grown our reentry services to, to various different programs, uh, to some specific housing programs, to uh, workforce development programs geared strictly towards um, returning citizens. Uh, when it was announced by the state that there was uh, monies available for SNUG in, in, in Niagara Falls, uh, recognizing that it is an issue. It, it is an issue in our city. Um, unfortunately, it's an issue in our city. And because Community Missions has the partnerships with providers, uh, has the credibility in the community, we've been around um, for so long that, you know, the community knows us. The community um, knows that if we're involved, that we're going to do everything we can uh, to to do what we say we're going to do for whatever program we're running. So to me, it was a no-brainer. It's something we had to address right. um, in our city. It was community missions. It was the perfect agency um, to do it. We had kind of the the outline in place, anyways, for a lot of the things that Snug does. That's right. So it it just seemed like it was a it was a perfect fit for us. Absolutely. If one person gets wounded by a gun that's a bad thing, somebody gets killed, that's worse. But are there or incidents of recent times here in Niagara Falls where the problem hit a, a nerve maybe a little bit more? Uh, can we maybe talk, talk about examples of, of that that might, might you know, reach that? I think, I think you can't pinpoint it because I think every time somebody gets hit um, by a bullet or every time somebody dies from a bullet, it hits a nerve. So you can't, you can't pinpoint just one, because everybody's lives matter, you know what I'm saying? So it doesn't, um, I can't um, tell you that. And then uh, and, and when it comes to the victim's privacy, you know, I don't want to uh, disclose that as well. Sure. Um, but I can say that, you know, when it comes to the issues in our community, we're, we're definitely working on it, so. Okay, and uh, that, uh, just to follow that, that along, though, just a, a little bit, is there a, a section of the community that's being more impacted than others when it comes to gun violence? Absolutely. We have, so uh, again, we have a high risk area that we work on daily. We canvass that area daily. We hand out flyers in the area daily. Uh, we um, 
uh, befriend people in that area daily. We had this thing what we call a vetting system. And what we do is we uh, befriend people for about a month and a half and then we bring them on as participants. And as a participant, it's a program that they will come into where they will learn different uh, job skills, maybe get a resume, uh, get back into school. You know, so it's like putting down the guns and picking up something else. You, when you put anything down, you have to fill that void in. But we want to fill that void with something good instead of something bad, you know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Eric. I mean, Niagara Falls is, is such a small community, um, although it, it, it's a... Uh considered, I guess, a, a major city in this area, it's still a very small city. It's a small community. It's a community that's largely based up of, uh, you know, poverty. Um, and, and that's, you know, where we are centralizing our services, where we're focusing, targeting, it's right in that area of the most underserved individuals. Because that does lend a lot into gun violence and the right. gun violence that we're trying to target specifically. Right. And also, when I say, when you when I talk about community, I'm not talking about the black and brown, I'm not talking about the white or the native or even the Hispanic. I'm talking about Niagara Falls as a whole. That is our community. So when we work on our community, I talk about that. Now, when you talk about neighborhoods, <laughs> that's something different, right? Sure, sure. But when it comes to our community, we want to try to bring the beauty back into our community. Back in, especially Niagara Falls. I mean, we're talking about the wonder of the world versus Niagara Falls, Canada, to America. We want right. to bring that beauty back over here as well. So. Right. And then, then take me, then, Hassan, if you can, or, or Eric, about you use the word canvas. Canvas. You know, when we think of canvas, we, uh, politicians going door to door and, and trying to, to drum That's up exactly votes. Exactly. Please, yeah. So, what we do, we have uh, our, our palm cards and we have also, also cards. We walk door to door, uh, we knock on some doors. Um, some people are reluctant to open their doors. Uh, we leave cards on, maybe on, on their, um, inside the door slot. We're working on door knockers at, at this time to just hang doors, door knockers on the, on the doorknobs. Uh, we talk, we stop at stores, we talk to business owners. Um, so we're walking, we're footing out there in the cold right now. As a matter of fact, I got to get our teams to hand warmers, but uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a job, man. So we're very passionate about what we do, and I'm so grateful to Eric because of his passion. Um, he, I, I guess, people uh, people attract who they are to them, right? So. Uh, I, he must. I must. Have, he must have attracted me to him, and the team I attracted is like me as well. So we're all like similar, like when it comes to that passion and want to push forward and want greatness to come out of things that are so uh, that doesn't seem correct. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. One of the important things to note that fall in line with the canvassing is the team, our outreach team. The science says our team, uh, our outreach team, who are so important in all this. They're made up of members of the community. In right. order to be a part of that team, you have to be from this community. That's right. You have to have a level of credibility in the community. How do you, how do you expand on that credibility? What mean? What does that mean? So, so if somebody, they need to be recognized in the community. They need to be recognized amongst the population we're targeting. So it could be individuals that we hire that have a history of, of gun violence, mm -hmm. that have a, somewhat of a criminal history, but they don't necessarily have to have that but right. they have to be recognized. So if they show up on, on the corner of 19th and whatever, and there's a group of young individuals there, that those young individuals recognize them as somebody that, that they can kind of jive with and, and understand. Because there's a difference between even myself walking up on a group of young kids compared to Hassan. Mm -hmm. He's got more street credibility than I do. Um, you know, I have a different kind of credibility in the community. Mm -hmm. but, so that's why it's so important to have a team that we call credible messengers. They're our outreach team, but they're credible messengers because they have a message to share 
and they have to have credibility to the people we serve. Right, and the majority of the majority of teams across the state do have a past, they, but their lives have been completely changed around. And that's what makes them so credible in the streets today. Uh, they, re I remembered you. I remember you like five years ago, man. How you, your life was? Wow, look at you now, right? You was a thug. You was a straight gangster. <laughs> look at you now, man. How did you do that, right? And then, so that's the opportunity for me to start vetting that person and bringing them close to me. Let me talk to you for a second. Come here. You know, so. You're listening to Buffalo What's Next. More to come right after this on WBFO. Our region is home to some of the finest communities in the world. Explore them through the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Talking with Hassan Ford and uh, Eric uh, Bordner uh, from uh, Community Missions, Eric's the uh, uh, Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan is the program manager for their SNUG program here in Niagara Falls, a gun violence reduction program. I'm really interested in those reactions, uh, uh, Hassan. Like you said, okay, there's a group of kids uh, on a corner and uh, you, you wanna make sure that you interact with them to a certain extent. Talked about how that experience is. We do all the time, again, so uh, we're on the corners. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, one corner that's constantly flooded every single evening. You know, uh, people are staring around. I'm sure there's different conversations that are happening, but we try to blend in too. Then they know who we are, and it makes them uncomfortable. You know, I get it. You know, um, we're here. We're not the police. Don't. We are definitely not the police. Right. We don't. We we're not. In, you know, we're a different entity from that. But when we walk into that, walk into those areas, the, they know that we mean business. They know that we're here. Uh, to make change, so they, they listen, they, they want to know about us, they want to be a part of it, they, well how can I be an outreach worker and so forth and so on, right? So it makes a difference us standing on those corners, man, it makes a major difference. It does, I, I think just to follow that then is, if you're there, by being there, eventually you get a certain level of acceptance. Absolutely, well, we get, a, we get that level of acceptance regardless, but by them seeing the uniform that we're wearing, even more so, and what we're doing, even more so, absolutely. I think you made a good point by when you said eventually. Uh, it, this isn't something that happens on the first visit or the no. second visit. And one of the things that's important is to keep being there, to keep coming back. Yes, because that builds trust, and that's what drives everything in this is trust. trust. If they yeah. can get trust from the participants, they're more likely to pay attention to what they say. Right. A lot of the individuals we serve have heard over and over in their life that I, I can help you, I'll help you, and yes. then there's that help's not there yeah. not the next week. And the one important thing that, that we talk about all the time and that we we live by as Snug in Niagara Falls is your if you say you're gonna be there, you're gonna be there. Mm -hmm. And how are you gonna be there? Is to be there every day so that that same individual sees you every day and says, you know, for the first five, ten times, oh my God, they're back, how annoying. But then that the 11th time, they might say, wait a minute, they yeah. do care. They do really care about us. And, you know, I want to know what, what, what this is all about. And I want to build a relationship with them. Because there's so much that Snug can do to help our community. And there's so much that we have planned to do that, that can help the community. And it, it really goes back to 
eventually gaining the trust yeah. from the community. You just took me back a bit when you uh, talked about that, that consistency piece about uh, saying you're going to be there and you be there. Because I can remember being a, as a child waiting for my father to come home. Uh, and he's supposed to come home, but he never does come home. And the, the way I felt as a kid, that disappointment, you know what I'm saying, that uh, no one's really caring. And so I kind of fell away just now when you mentioned that just now. It took me back there, right? So I'm sure that's what they're feeling is also. So that's why we want to be consistent. That's why we want to continue to keep coming back, keep coming back. We, we do the same areas every single day. Really? Every day. Because that's that's, that's, this is our high-risk uh, area. So we're there every single day. Yeah. Just to spread the word, man, and spread some love. So, yeah. You get to know uh, people on the first name basis? Absolutely. Yeah, and Absolutely. they know you. Absolutely. I'm, well, for me, I'm called Unk. Uh, me and another guy, we're, they're called Carl Unk. Some guy called me Big Broke, some, you know, I'm a big guy, but most of the guys call me Unk. Okay, yeah. all right, for sure. Um, what about, what, what do we understand about, and I, I, I keep saying kids, but I just have this image in my mind, right. you know, young folks who, uh, who just, whatever reason, you know, things aren't going well at home, not going well at school, whatever, and they find their way into gun violence. What, what do we know about these kids? And again, you like before you said you don't want to be talking about victims and, and things right, like that. Right, but right. what 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 are, are some of the experiences that you're hearing about? Well, I know um, per CDC, uh, the Controlled Disease uh, Center, the ages between 15 to 24, um, they are are, are high risk okay. kids, right? They make up 10 percent of the population, but they also make up 63 percent of the homicides mm. in America, right? So um, those are the areas that we're working on right now. Uh, we're setting up an assembly with Niagara Falls to hit 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. We're going to go in there and for an hour each, for each hour each class, and talk about who we are, what we do, and then our individual stories, because they're pretty powerful and impactful as well, where we were and how we, where we're at today. So. Do you mind sharing uh, maybe one of those individual stories? If it's not yours, maybe one of well, your... Well, I wouldn't share theirs on disclosing. Oh, okay, you know. fair enough. But, but for me, yeah, I was an ex-drug addict for 20 years. I robbed Sears in Niagara Falls um, about uh, 15 years ago um, for trying to get drugs. Uh, Eric known me for coming through community, community missions for about 15, 20 years as well. Um, uh, being homeless, eating out of garbage cans, um, eating off the streets, sleeping in uh, vacant alleys, um, um, vacant buildings, going crazy in the streets from um, overdosing. And today, uh, well then, um, I've got, I went through Narcotics Anonymous and I got help, I prayed and asked God to deliver me. And today it's been, um, I have 10 years clean. Um, I'm actually a business owner today. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna plug myself right now. Um, I What's work, the business? Well, if you're yes. plugging, let's plug, let's plug. <laughs> uh, I mean, I own it, my wife and I own Enchanted Florist in Lewiston and Niagara Falls. Uh, I also own a gym um, called Body by Ford. And then, and then um, Eric saw fit to hire me as a program manager for this program here. So my life is way different. So that's why I'm so passionate about people telling me, oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same. It's nothing's going to change. It will change. If you put the energy into that change, it's going to, it's going to happen. But if you don't do nothing, if you don't change nothing, nothing's going to change. So you have to make that first step into making a change. Hassan, that, I mean, that's a, 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 um, it's a great story for sure. And can you reflect, I mean, you said going through Narcotics Anonymous yes. and, and uh, sounds like divine intervention as Absolutely. well. But, but What's the diff what was the difference between Hassan before that and who you are right now? Hassan before that, before this, this that Hassan had a lot of self-pity, uh, self-centered, selfish. I felt like the world owed me everything and they owed me nothing. Um, I was lazy. I wanted things the easy way. I just didn't care about life in general. 
Yeah. Um, we're with uh, Hassan Ford and also Eric uh, Bordner from uh, Community Missions. Eric's the Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan uh, is the Program Manager for their SNUG program, the uh, anti-gun uh, violence program here in Niagara Falls. Relatively new, it was a program that was here, went away because this is a state-funded program. And th this is an interesting part of it. There is a level of accountability involved here. If you don't get the results, you don't get the funding. Absolutely, there's, there's uh, certain metrics that uh, we have to, to follow, um, certain amount of participants that they need to provide services to. We have to do community events every month. We have to have a community event, we have to have a participant event uh, every month, and those are a little different from each other. Um, because we're so new, we're still building our, our participants. Uh, you know, really come February is where they will start pressing a little harder to start rounding up participants. And those participants are the individuals, like Hassan had said a little bit earlier, uh, individuals who have the highest propensity to gun violence or be a victim of gun violence. Mm -hmm. in the, in, like today, we are hosting our open house, and that's a, our large community event for the month. And and this uh, is a, a, a relatively new outreach center, is that right? Or it's our brand new building um, yes. on Pine Avenue in Niagara Falls, which uh, basically intersects our target area right down the middle. Um, and so we're right in the center of the mix on where, uh, you know, there is the, the highest risk, amount of yeah. and highest risk of gun violence. And we're, we're really just trying to show off our new building because that's going to be important down the road for participants and for the community. Uh, to know that we're there right in the heart of the things. Um, our new building will be able to be used by participants, yes. uh, by the community. So we want to say, hey, we're here, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to try to do it. Um, uh, so, yeah, so the, there's there's a lot of things that the this, this state really pays attention to this. This is a, a big push from, from New York State mm. for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, like you uh, had said that, you know, New York State, no matter... Name a big city, and there's likely a, a, an issue with gun violence mm -hmm. in, in that city. Uh, Niagara Falls is no different than the Bronx, um, maybe yes. in size and in amounts, certainly, that's but right. that's about it. But if you consider our size and our amounts of, of gun Volume, violence, yeah. you know, it, it adds pretty close to the sure. same. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, there is metrics we have to follow. There is, you know, money that needs to be spent, and it needs to be spent on the right things, and Absolutely. that's... And that's events with the community that's taking participants to a football game a hockey game a concert change, yeah. yeah showing them that there is a, a life outside of of yeah. the the streets yeah. and and playing with guns Absolutely. and and because a lot of our our individuals that that we plan to serve they don't necessarily know that there's a difference you know hassan's story and many other people's stories of going from a tragedy to triumph not every individual has that but they don't and they don't know that they don't know that they have worth outside of right. of what they're doing whether they're in a gang that's or powerful. just running with with a crew of individuals yeah, that's powerful. Uh, um, they don't know that and that's what we're here yeah. to do and that's the driving force of <laughs> snug is to let our community members know specifically individuals with the propensity to be involved with guns in some way that there is changes that can be made um, and, and we're here to help. We're here and we're going to keep being here to help you. Ironically, um, again, he keeps, he keeps saying something that, 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 <laughs> that triggers things in me. Ironically, um, the building that we're in, um, 
was a bakery that got robbed constantly. So we 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 happen to be a gun violence prevention program. We're in that building now. So. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> talking about going full circle, right? Right, uh, for sure. <laughs> I, there's a narrative out there, um, and I'm just curious from guys who are now seeing this on the ground level that the problem has gotten worse in New York State. I guess that's been the narrative. Do you find that, or is it just? Kind of the same as it's always been, or is it getting better? What, 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 how do you rate, rate things right well, now? Well, um, so people, so, um, so I did a training, and it talked about people are saying that people are dying daily. There's shootings daily, and we're in the midst of it. There's there's no shooting daily. People are not dying daily. Maybe once every two weeks. Maybe. Okay. You know, once every three weeks. So, I mean, some people take things out of character. Some people ex uh, Absolutely. exaggerate. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to yeah, get no, this from you. Yeah, no, a lot of stuff is, is exaggerated, especially uh, when it comes to misinformation. So, people mis misinformed people misinformed people, right? If I get wrong information from you, I'm going to give it to someone else. Now, we're all misinformed, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's exaggerated. Okay. And just, I was curious also about this. So, when there is a shooting? Is that now all of a sudden a target for you? Absolutely, yeah. When there's a shooting, we wait about two days and then we um, set up our shooting um, response team. Um, that's made up with some uh, some clergy people in our community, uh, community members as well, and, and then the snub team, um, which which is all of us. Uh, we on the bullhorn, we're shouting out, stop shooting, we want to live. And they repeat what I say or repeat whoever's saying that. Uh, no more mothers crying, no more babies dying. They repeat the same thing back and forth. We're there for about 20 minutes, man, and it's powerful and it is strong and it definitely works. Do you feel, are you seeing kids come to you, come to your message? You're, you're sensing that, that, you know, this kid who you met two months ago on the street corner hanging out with his friends, all of a sudden maybe is he's finding uncle a little bit more of a, an attractive person to talk to? So again, we're just starting out right now. Gotcha. Uh, although we're in the schools right now, people are, are the kids are like, want to know who we are and what we do in the schools at this point, but as far as being on the street streets, not just, not, not gotcha. yet. But I'm sure in, in, in others, snugs in some other cities, I'm sure there's, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Okay. You right. Know, it's important to add to that, you know, when there is a, a shooting, one of the other important things is quick response. And that's because our team, the snug program can offer a lot of things, not just to the the victim, but the victim's family as Absolutely. well. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, our social worker and our team can help with, um, both financially, um, support, you know, emotional support, and, you know, but the financial piece is a big thing. Um, you know, for an example, funeral expenses is something mm. that, that we could possibly help with. Um, obviously, nothing's a guarantee in, in this world when it comes to, um, you know, money and availability of money, but there's, it's always something that we can, we can help with. And then uh, the final question, then I'd like to use this in a lot of our interviews, and I'll throw this one at Hassan. What does uh, Niagara Falls need? What does it need? Niagara Falls, to me, Niagara Falls need more love. We need more connection with each other. That's what we need. Eric Bordner and uh, Hassan Ford, thanks very much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next. Thank, thank you, you again for having us. Yes, thank you. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOL and Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.